Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, you came back. Welcome. This is part two. Yesterday was part one of the story, Daniel Polarczyk, Shepherd or Wolf? And it's about the story of Father Greasy. If you are coming in on this now, go back on your app and get part one. You're going to hear the continuation, the second side of the cassette as it was presented way back when, when tapes had two sides and you had to get up, or if you had a fancy cassette player, it would auto-reverse. But you had a little break, little intercession, little time to get up and get you know another sip of coffee or something else uh, in order to listen quietly and, uh, and enjoy the story. And so without much further ado, here is part two of the story of Father Greasy. has enforced a dress code at Sacred Heart Church, under which shorts, swim trunks, bare midriffs, and tank tops were not permitted at masses. The policy became the subject of public controversy when James Garvey, not a regular parishioner at Sacred Heart, defiantly wearing shorts to challenge the dress code, was refused communion September 3rd by Father Greasy because, as Father Greasy puts it, of his disrespectful and sacrilegious attitude. Garvey notified the media, and the rest is history. An embattled priest upholding a Vatican-oriented dress code soon became the focus of a controversy that became known around the world. To this day, Father Greasy contends he was deliberately set up by the media in collusion with certain officials within the Cincinnati Diocese. They meant to destroy his visibility as pastor of Sacred Heart, he said, and enforce his removal. Father Greasy's subsequent removal as pastor of Sacred Heart Church has been a soul-wrenching experience for the 73-year-old priest. To get an update on his present status, Catholic Newswire spoke to Father Greasy at his new home, a small apartment in a middle-class neighborhood in Dayton, Ohio. Father Greasy... During the vicious media attacks over the dress code you instituted at Sacred Heart Church, and then your confrontation with James Garvey, did you ever receive any support from the diocesan officials? Not only no support, but not even a call to find out what's going on. Instead of that, I received a couple letters from uh, the Archbishop saying that he saw this in the newspapers and he heard it on TV. There was not one direct contact to me or to my people. So he took the uh, press at its word, huh? Oh, it's gospel. Well, I have here in front of me a cartoon, uh, probably one of the most blasphemous things I've ever seen printed in a newspaper. It's a cartoon uh, of our Lord crucified and you bellowing from the pulpit, hey, you with the shorts, get out of my church. Now, that cartoon demands a response from the diocese because it's raw blasphemy a public insult to the, to the Catholic Church. Did the diocese ever respond to that cartoon? No, they never do. That's one of the reasons that uh, I'm being kicked, I think, because I, I've been doing all this for 20 years, defending the Church and engaging in public teaching of Catholic faith and morals. And that has not come out of the chancery, has not come out of the authorities of the diocese. Was you're doing the work they're supposed to be doing, and now you're being penalized for That's it. That's right. Well, now, the dean of the Dayton Deanery, a, a Father Robert Monin, said, quote, He, Pelagic, 
has had it up to his chin with Roger. He doesn't seem to like to talk with him, unquote. Now, Father, that may or not, may not be true, but it certainly is a denigrating statement uh, to the priesthood in general. Wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. I wrote to Father Munnan about it and chastised him. Also from the fact that he told lies to the reporters describing conduct, uh, my conduct in the church, uh, raising my voice, yelling, being nasty to, to the couple who came in, and I didn't do any of those things. He wasn't here. He didn't see or hear. A couple of my parishioners wrote some beautiful letters to Archbishop Polarczyk. One of them said, This past Sunday I witnessed Father Greasy handle with superb style, of which you could, you could be proud, a University of Dayton student trying to cause a disturbance during Mass. And so, the, uh, then he so, describes, describes what happened. Of course, the news media were there trying to catch Father in a situation with which they could embarrass him. When this failed, they had to resort to editing their video film in such a way as to make the situation about something that it was not about, instead of what the issue is about, reverence to God and not being a distraction during classes, during a mass. In summary, Father Greasy is one of the few priests left who is not afraid to stand up for the faith, and he should be congratulated for the smooth style he used in dealing with the disturbance this past weekend at Sacred Heart Church. That was one of the finest I received, and that man was present when this went on. And he, he gave the facts. That's a beautiful letter. and um, Lovely. You would think that the uh, diocese would check things out before they made any public statement about it at all. That's very poor administration. Now, he also went on to, uh, to say in reference to your faithful adherence to a dress code, mm -hmm. which you established at Sacred Heart about 21 years, right? Right. He said, quote, I hope that people don't think that his, Greasy's opinion, is the general opinion of all priests. That's one man's opinion, unquote. Now, Father, in the face of that statement, I have a copy of the Vatican's dress code right in front of me, <laughs> which is a lot stricter than the, it's a lot stricter than the code that you implemented at Sacred Heart. Right. The point being that the dress code is not your private opinion, but a dress code per se is a directive from Rome itself. Is that not correct? Uh, in a sense, you could say that we take our practice from the Holy Father from Rome. But see, this whole thing—that—that's a, a, a sign of something else, and the sign, of course, is reverence. And the whole thing behind my dress code and the Holy Father's dress code is a demand for observing the first commandment of God, to treat God and the saints and all those persons, places, and things dedicated to him with reverence and respect. That's what this is all about. And the archbishop and his minions down there, uh, they just, I think, deliberately uh, avoided that because they're bound to the same thing. Every bishop, even archbishops, and priests and deacons are abound, are obliged to observe the first commandment. And when they chastise me for observing this first commandment, that shows an effect. They are against the first commandment. It's very hard to understand that kind of action. I don't understand it. <laughs> now, the thing, the thing you greatly feared, Father, finally did happen to you. Archbishop Logic did fire you shortly after Christmas. Now, did he give you any cause for this summary dismissal? Absolutely not. He uh, said in letters to me that uh, this is not a matter of the moral law or canon law. This is my personal judgment. He said that several times in several letters to me. In other words, he doesn't like me, so I have to get out. And that's sufficient grounds to dismiss a pastor of 21 years and 47 years a priest? Not in canon law. 
canon law there has to be. I guess he's writing his own laws, huh? I suppose. <laughs> law unto himself. Now, he accused... This is, this is what uh, Sandra O'Connor would call raw Episcopal power. Not uh, following the law, but using his own will. It really is raw. <laughs> now, he accused you of having often, quote, criticized, belittled, and rejected authority, unquote. Did he give you any specific instances uh, for these alleged no, violations? I've, I've never done that publicly. Uh, he takes the news media who deliberately set up confrontations so they can sell their papers or get the, the viewership on TV. He didn't listen to me. I explained things to him, but he just doesn't accept my explanations. I did not challenge him. I was not defiant. I was not disobedient. He said in one letter, several letters, I, I forbid you to refuse communion purely on the basis of your dress code. I've never done that. I refused communion to one man twice, and that's the extent of my refusal of communion. Because this character came in and obviously was defiant, obviously was confronting. In fact, he saw the media beforehand and told them what he was going to do. So every archbishop... Bishop, priest, deacon, distributor would have to refuse communion to anybody who comes to communion with a grave, uh, uh, the wrong kind of motive, seriously wrong kind of motive. And that's what I did. It would be a sacrilege to give him communion. Right. It would be a sacrilege for me to give and for those people to receive. I'm not going to commit mortal sin for anybody. Now, Father, you received a letter from uh, Archbishop Logic <clears throat> saying to you that uh, you could stay on as pastor of Sacred Heart until you reached the age of 75 or you died, whichever came first. That's what I volunteered. Whatever happened to that letter? Well, I have it right here. Is it a long one? No. Would you read it? All right. It's dated June 24, 1985. The purpose of this letter is to record our conversation of June the 21st. You indicated that you did not wish to retire from being pastor at this time since you felt that you were still in good health and doing a good job. We agreed, therefore, that you should stay at Sacred Heart until you reach the canonical age for retirement or until your health requires you to move to another ministry. Thank you again for the generous service you offer God's people at Sacred Heart. Well, that reads like a contractual agreement, doesn't it? Yeah. Does to me. We agreed, he says. <laughs> I had volunteered when he said, what, what would you like to do? For, I was 69 at the time. What would you like to do for till time of retirement? I said, as far as I'm concerned, I'd like to stay as pastor of Sacred Heart until I'm 75 or till I die. He chuckled at that, and he said, I can live with that. And he said, what I'll do, Roger, is write you a letter confirming this so that you will have it on your files for a little greater security. And he graciously did that. And four short years later, he... Uh, 1985. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, now, uh, Archbishop Logic said in the following <clears throat> communique of the 719th to you, quote, It has become clear to me that you are no longer capable of exercising the office of pastor. That is not a pleasant conclusion for me to reach. However, I do not believe that I have further obligation to demonstrate my conclusion to you or to others, nor to make any additional evidence available to you for refutation." Unquote. That's an incredible statement, Father. Yes. In other, words, in other words, it's my will, and my will be done. This is a two-part question. Uh, 
Can any bishop canonically discharge a pastor without due cause? Not canonically. Okay. Bishops are human beings, and some of them commit serious sins in this way and in other ways. There has to be a check somewhere along the line, yeah. Well, the Holy Father is the only one I know who can check. Technically, the uh, pronuncio or apostolic delegate should be the one to do it, but uh, we've never gotten any action from the several who have been in office. Yeah. A lot of letters have gone to Rome directly to the Pope and to the various cardinals, and some have replied that no action is taken as far as the present ordinary is concerned, as far as I know. Now, Archbishop Electric, um, when he made that uh, statement, did he check with your, your parishioners to determine that you were no longer capable of exercising no. the office of pastor? No he, no, he did not. So how can he make such a judgment? Well, you'll have to have him. It's a, it's a, it's a rash, to say the least, a rash judgment. He's weaving it out of whole cloth. There are no facts, and there's no truth in what he says. There are no complaints from parishioners, no problems, uh, nothing to justify of making such a statement. No, absolutely not. As I said, this, uh, the uh, petition that they were drawing up, I didn't find out about it until I was fired. But two weeks before the decree of removal, the, my people at Sacred Heart began taking up this petition. And uh, that's a beautiful thing, the, the write-up of it. I just don't happen to have a copy of it here. I think I sent you a copy in the mail. They didn't want you to go, huh? No, absolutely not. They told the Archbishop that. It, uh, apparently it didn't make any difference uh, with oh, this no. decision. My will be done. Thy will be done. But looking back over the history of Sacred Heart, um, you've run an excellent business there, if you want to put it in those terms, um, excellent administration. Uh, the church is in the black, and you personally supervised a superb renovation of the church. Is that right, Father? That's correct. Thank you. I know with uh, excellent reports on that. Now, is it a fact, Father Greasy, that Archbishop Pilonchik condones homosexual masses in the Cincinnati Diocese? Uh, it would seem so, yes. Uh, when the Holy Father came out with his decree a couple of, not two years ago, he told all bishops and priests, you are not to support any homosexual organizations. Now, Archbishop Polarczyk suppressed one in Cincinnati. I, I don't recall precisely where it was. I think it was St. George Church. I'm not sure. But he refused to suppress Dignity Dayton. And in the Catholic Telegraph and in the newspapers and to letters to the priests, he said, the, I, have, I have conferred with the officers of Dignity Dayton I don't know how they raised <laughs> I wasn't conferred. <laughs> I have conferred with the officers of Dignity Dayton, and they have pledged that they will follow the church's law. So I am not uh, suppressing them. <laughs> they will follow the church's law? Yes. Now, Matthew Caddy, the former president of Dignity Dayton, has uh, publicly stated that the homosexual lifestyle has been accepted by the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. Uh, but has Archbishop Logic ever reprimanded him publicly for making so false a statement? I've never seen anything like that. I did it, of course, privately by writing Caddy a letter about five years ago, telling him how seriously wrong that was, and begging him to get back to the sacraments and listen to the church. Well, I, I think you were. I told him I was an easy confessor, and I would be very happy to hear his confession and get him straightened out. That's the only contact I had with Matthew Caddy. Now, wasn't uh, Caddy, uh, with the support of some diocesan officials, uh, planning to bring you before a diocesan court for trial? Yeah, I got a copy of uh, his complaints from uh, 
Father Daniel Conlon, the uh, Chancellor of the Archdiocese, which shocked the living daylights out of me because they should have thrown the guy out of the office. What was his beat? <laughs> instead of that, they support uh, a publicly affirmed homosexual against a loyal priest of 47 years' experience. And that, that hurts. It hurts, it hurts it deeply. <laughs> Father, it boggles the mind. <laughs> now... Apparently, the Cincinnati Diocese is quite tolerant of uh, flagrant violations of dress code and dignity masses, Father, but another directive from Rome, it seems, Archbishop Pelagicus prepared to violate is the one on altar girls. Oh, yes. Is it accurate to say that we now have altar girls in the Cincinnati Diocese? Oh, yes. He said it himself, and it was even in the uh, uh, Catholic Telegraph, which is the Archdiocese newspaper, where he said, I favor girl servers. And in his clergy communications bulletin of November 89, he said, Sometimes people write to me and complain that their priest allows girl servers. When I discover that this is indeed the case, I find myself unable to defend the parish priest against those who would seem to take pleasure in pointing out his deficiencies. And I am compelled to say that the priest is, what the priest is doing is not in accord with the laws and that I do not approve of it. And underscore this, I do not like to be in a position of not being able to support our priests. I had a laugh at that one. Well, that's next, real. Next paragraph, the situation gets even more complicated when girl servers are assigned to a ceremony where Bishop Garland or myself are presiding. This places us in a situation where we must either send the girls away and cause a lot of hurt or say nothing and then seem to be countenancing a situation which is contrary to the law. It becomes embarrassing. So in other words, we have de facto altar girls. Oh, absolutely. In other words, go ahead and do it, but don't do it when Bishop Gardner and I are officiating. And yet... He's looking the other way. This is, yeah, this is against the law. He admits that. Now, you have been removed as its pastor from Sacred Heart. What do you think will happen to Sacred Heart Church? I have no idea. I have not been removed as pastor. Even the Archbishop can't do that with his absolute power, as long as there is an appeal in Rome. I cannot be replaced as pastor. He has the raw Episcopal authority of kicking me out, which he has done, kicking me right out on the street, and appointing uh, an administrator, which he has done. So I have to get out, find a place to live, and uh, go on with my priestly life. So canonically, you're still pastor of Sacred Heart. Right. And, and, uh, Although I was forbidden even to say Mass publicly here when he gave that decree of removal, that uh, the administrator must do the public Masses. Well, do you have access to the uh, rectory or any of the uh, records of Sacred Heart at this time? Or? Well, that's up to Father, uh, the Father Administrator. No. Now, without seeking it, Father Greasy, you've become a national figure. Now, what has been the response from the public to your labors and trials in the Cincinnati Diocese? It's been overwhelmingly favorable. I have had so many letters. I've, I have over 600 letters since this thing started in August and more are coming from 2 to 12 each day. And they are horrified that I am forcibly removed without cause. Here's uh, one beautiful letter from Cincinnati from a man, I think he's an attorney. Your action against Reverend Father Greasy is very disturbing. His removal from Sacred Heart Church can only be con construed by this Catholic layman as an overreaction of the authority of your office. Surely you know that Father Greasy has stood up for Catholic truth over the some 48 years of his priesthood. The issues over which his position has caused, quotes, embarrassment to the church, quotes, 
homosexual and pro-choice rights to abortion become the sword of death to his ministry. What a price this good priest has paid for his defense of the church against immorality and murder. Your Excellency, the bottom line in this matter is that Satan and all his legions have won two victories. A good priest is removed, and the forces for evil have been accommodated. There must be great applause in the homosexual and pro-choice camps right now. I do not see how your self-proclaimed style of leadership, mediation, conciliation, compromise, etc., has achieved any good for our archdiocese in the universal church. That's one of the latest I received. Well, I think he said it all, Father. Cincinnati. And I do. I think what he said is, is so true that they must be uh, really gloating over this. Oh, they are. They are. I have evidence. They finally got Father Greasy, didn't they? <laughs> we got him. And well, I Father, do you plan... Some people in the chancery are doing the same thing because they set me up for this. Yeah. I call it the Star Chamber. Yeah, it is a Star Chamber. It's a kangaroo court. Yeah. Well, however you want to describe it. Now, Father Greasy, do you plan to appeal your case to Rome? Oh, yes, definitely. It, it is an appeal. It is in Rome right now. Who's handling your case for you? St. Joseph Foundation. Oh, you're in good hands there. How far has it gotten at this point, do you know? Well, it's, it's over in Rome, and uh, my attorney over there is Count Capone. That's all I know. Yeah, another good man. They said, uh, they said I have an ironclad case, so uh, it's up to them. I'm not, I can't do anything further about it, but pray. But you're prepared to go the whole route, huh? Oh, absolutely. This is a matter of principle. Right after the signature, if you have to. Huh? Oh, sure. Mine, right to the Pope, if I can. My name, my good name, has been trashed by the dean by the Archbishop, by the Chancery staff, all of them, and I want my good name restored. I could sue. I talked to a, a lawyer, a friend of mine, who was a criminal lawyer, trial lawyer, and gave him the facts, and he said, you could take the Archdiocese and Catholic Telegraph and some of those people individually for a million-dollar suit. Oh, easily. I don't intend to do it because... No, but it's a personal attack on your integrity right. as, a, as a priest. Yeah. It's libel. It's... it's uh, uh, character assassination right down the line. I don't want to do that, and I hope I don't have to. No, I think a vindication will come from Rome in time with that God's grace. That would me. Matter of fact, one, one fine lady from uh, Toledo wrote, uh, complimenting me on what I'm done, I've done, and she called the chancery and told them that I should be uh, promoted instead of excoriated, and she thought that I should be raised to the rank of Monsignor. <laughs> yes, I, I, read, I read that letter. <laughs> so... I sent a copy of it to Archbishop Pelagic and uh, typed a little line below it. said, I really don't want to be a Monsignor. I'll be satisfied with a Benny Maranti from the Holy Father. <laughs> but actually, this, this whole uh, situation is bigger than just Father Greasy. The whole priesthood is uh, it's on the block here. Oh, you know it. The dignity of the priesthood itself is really uh, uh, right. what we're talking about. Right. And you know, this thing uh, started off so simply. I, I'm, I'm doing my job as pastor of Sacred Heart and giving directions for the people who come into Sacred Heart to observe the First Commandment. And that was going on for 20 years. And then suddenly, because of the lies of the dean and giving that interview, uh, false, falsifying the facts, the media picked it up. And it went all over the country and all over the world. I have letters from, and clippings from every one of the 50 states from four Canadian provinces, and now from five or six uh, foreign countries. I got one from Mexico today or yesterday. So they're all favorable. Why wouldn't they be? 
Now, after 21 years a pastor, you were given three days to get out of Sacred Heart with all your personal belongings. Now, how did you manage to do that, Father? Well, I didn't. I did get a lot of help, but uh, I got out, but I had to keep coming back and uh, getting uh, getting my stuff out. The, the uh, administrator was very kind about that. He and I had been classmates, in the not classmates, but in the seminary together, and we taught together at Elder High School. Well, that was the final humiliation, wasn't it? Oh. Well, Father, looking back over 47 years of priesthood and to a career both fruitful and distinguished, and for it to end in such a manner, do you have any regrets or recriminations? Any regrets about what? My priesthood? Well, about what happened. Is there any bitterness, any, any feelings of, that you've been... Well, there's bound to be some. Yes. Disappointment and heartache that a successor of the apostles can trash my good name and engage in innuendos and lies against me and public action against me. That hurts. Because he's a successor to the apostles, and I've always given reverence, obedience, and respect to my superiors. Always. In fact, I've had letters from people like Archbishop Edward McCarthy, a dear friend of mine, who said that on a number of occasions. You have always been respectful to authority. So, I don't know what it's about. It's the work of the devil, that's all I can say. Well, maybe you're being fitted for a modest crown, Father. Oh, dear. <laughs> what do you call this? <laughs> it hurts. Father Roger Greasy reaffirmed that he is determined to clear his good name and win vindication for his administration while pastor at Sacred Heart Church. He deeply feels that the precipitous actions taken by his ordinary, Archbishop Daniel E. Polarczyk, Firing him as pastor of Sacred Heart without cause was a blasphemous assault upon the sacred dignity of the priesthood itself. Archbishop Polarczyk's callous treatment of the elderly priest has drawn a strong reaction of anger worldwide. Father Greasy informed Catholic Newswire that hundreds of letters are pouring in at the rate of 25 a day, expressing heartfelt support for him in his hour of trial. At 73, when most priests are readying for a peaceful retirement, Father Greasy now faces difficult days of loneliness and separation from his beloved parish at Sacred Heart. In union with his deeply concerned parishioners, it is imperative that we too keep this loyal and faithful priest in our daily rosaries and pray that he be blessed with the justice and vindication he has so richly earned. For whether the Diocese of Cincinnati chooses to believe it or not, Father Roger E. Greasy, a faithful priest for 47 years, is truly an Alter Christus, another Christ. For those wishing to write Father Greasy or send him mass stipends, his address is Father Roger Greasy, 217 West 4th Street, Dayton, Ohio, 45. 402. This presentation was brought to you by Catholic Newswire, a monthly presentation of Keep the Faith, 810 Belmont Avenue, North Halden, New Jersey, 07508. Wow. What did you think of that?
Have you seen that story over and over again? Let me break it down for you. I, I will put the story as it appeared in the AP News. If you read the news story at the time, you never would have gotten the rest of the story. Flush down the memory hole, so they speak. And if you see some of the stories of how things happen today, how is it that a bishop is removed from being a bishop How is it that priests and pastors are moved around and you're not really sure why and there's pretext, but at the same time, the ones that should be removed seem not to be, and the ones that should be promoted and advanced and held out as examples to the others seem to encounter almost hyper-scrupulous applications of the rules, don't they? Heck, even, you know... In Father Philip's case, it seems that uh, even when exonerated or found not to, uh, an allegation found not to be empty, you know, Cardinal Supic himself just said, well, I determine who's fit for ministry and I, I don't want him here. A little bit of paraphrase, but you get the sense. You almost might think that Supic learned that from this story. And there would be a connection. Archbishop Polarczyk there in Cincinnati reaches up pretty close to Columbus where Supic, shortly after this, was rector to Josephine. He certainly would have heard stories like this. He certainly would have seen things happen. He certainly saw the news and the skerfuffle in Ohio and people still talking about this story. But have you ever heard this story? These things get flushed down the memory hole, and that's why I bring it up today on Memorial Day. We'll talk more about this story in the future for now. Pray for the repose of Father Greasy's soul. Pray for our good priests who want to teach us well. Pray that the Blessed Mother intervene to allow priests to speak with clarity, fullness of truth the way our Lord did, without attacks from their own bishop and pray for our bishops that they would have the courage to stand for true faith true teaching mary help of christians pray for us